It's nice to see you guys this morning. Um, that scripture was something that was written by David um, when it talks about how no one is saved by just a king or an army or chariots and horses, but the thing that truly saves us is God himself. Um, those words are not written. Um, a lot of it, it's not written out of metaphor necessarily. A lot of that was actual stuff that happened with him. David was a warrior and David was someone who literally went to war to fight the Lord's battles, to defend his people and defend his nation. And so for those words, those are, those are really applicable things that he was writing about, journaling about, devoted in kind of restoring his heart before the Lord and reminding himself that he had someone to trust. Um, if you were with us last week, you know that we started a new series where we're looking through the life of David. Um, we're looking at his life. That's um, over 1,100 times David is mentioned throughout Scripture. Um, he's an important figure. Only The only other person that's mentioned more times is Jesus himself. Um, there's 138 chapters in the Bible that are actually dedicated to him, whether it's historically written about his life or whether it's stuff David actually wrote himself, like the psalm we just read. And so, needless to say, there's a lot of information, there's a lot of truth, um, there's a lot of revelation about who he is. David is someone who modeled what it was like to follow Jesus. Can I ask you guys a question? You can raise your hand. How many of you have ever been confused about what following Jesus means? Oh, good. You guys all got it. My bad. Um, believe it or not, that's one of the things that we get to figure out before the Lord. What does it truly mean to love Him? What does it truly mean to follow Him? And if you remember, we talked about this thing. Can you say this word with me? Religion. religion. Can you say the word religious? religious. Can, now can you say the word relationship? Relationship. relationship. Say it like that. Relationship. Very nice. Boys, thank you. Um, see, we're also looking at this picture that David is someone who, in a religious culture, and by religious I mean the definition of that, according to Webster's Dictionary, is a system of faith or belief. And so by that, it's more about what are you, what are your kind of just putting your faith in and putting your trust in. It doesn't necessarily have to be related to Jesus. In fact, it can be all behavior and no heart behind it, like we talked about last week. God pierced through a people who were considered to be the people of God, but really they were just religious. They were going through the religiosity, which is an actual word of their day and age. They knew all of the scriptures. They knew all of the laws. They knew everything to do. They were raised in the culture. But when it came to an actual relationship with God, there was no nothing there. In fact, you could say it was all head and no heart if you want to just simplify it. That the relationship with God was all about the knowledge up here, but there was nothing devoted. There was no actual heart when it came to it. There was no personal relationship, which makes David so significant in the Word because he modeled what it was like to follow God with all of his heart, soul, mind, and strength. Remember how we read last week, long before David was in the picture, God said, I am seeking a man after my own heart. 
When you have a heart that is after God's, God seeks you out and finds you. There's a scripture that says, if you seek me, you will find me. But only if you seek me with all of your heart is what it says in Jeremiah 29. And it says, not half your heart. If you say, God, I want you, but I'm not really going to put any effort into it. You're not going to see God work in your life the way that God wants to work in it. And so if you remember last week, you looked at this beginning where David was introduced. He was anointed as king. Um, God was the one that found him. No one else could find him um, except for God himself. And now we find ourselves in a story of David and Goliath. How many of you have heard the story of David and Goliath? Many of us have heard this. No worries if you haven't. This is um, a story that's not only popular um, within Christian circles, and it should be. This is actually a story that's very popular amongst the world as well. Even if you're not a believer, you, you often know this story because of what it represents. That Goliath is this powerhouse, he's this majority, and David is this underdog. If you've ever seen an upset in sports and people said that was like a David and Goliath story. Or you saw someone with odds against him and they made their way into it that they were like David to the Goliath in a sense. See, this is a story that's popular, but in David's time, there was so much more going on than just David defeating Goliath with this story. In fact, I would venture to say as far that this story has so much to do with each of you guys and what faith actually looks like in your life. Amen? So if you are already there in chapter 17, I want you to go to verse 32. Let me give you a little context. Let me give you a little setting of what is going on so far. So David was a part of Israel. David was a shepherd, as we will learn a little bit more about. David wasn't necessarily a part of the army. In fact, he was considered so weak that they wouldn't even include him in the actual army themselves. So isn't that funny to think about that? He was the one that ultimately defeated Goliath, but his own army wouldn't even consider him worthy to fight on their behalf originally. And so David is delivering cheese. Everybody say cheese. He's delivering cheese to his brothers on the battlefield. He's going and visiting and kind of giving a report. And while this is all happening, we have this situation go on where you have the Israelite army and you have the Philistine army. Now, one of the practices of that day to save uh, lives was one army would send out one person to fight against the other. And so here comes Goliath, who is much bigger than the rest. And he comes out and he's, he is cursing, he is taunting, the enemy, or taunting Israel. And Israel's doing nothing about it. They don't send out any fighters. And he taunts them even the more. And it says that this continued on and on and on and on. Until one day... David is delivering cheese to his brothers. And there he is delivering, and he hears the taunts, and he goes, I'm sorry. He goes, why, why are we allowing that guy to say that about us? If we're followers of Christ, and we're the people of God, why, why can't we do something about that? And it says that word spread around, and King Saul heard about it and invited him in. And that is where we pick up the story. They're literally on the battlefront and there is a meeting between David and Saul. And this is what it says. Look at verse 32 with me. David said to Saul, Let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. First of all, 
I think that's kind of funny, because if you were a king, and none of your fighters were willing to fight, except for one teenage shepherd boy, I would be pretty discouraged, amen? And so he's like, hey, let no one lose heart, I'll fight, I'll take care of it. And it's like, oh good, we're doomed, <laughs> you know? And he saw replies, fittingly, he says, you are not able to go out against this guy and fight him. You are only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. Okay, now, now it's cleared up. Now we get it. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it. I struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. The son circumcised Philistine will be like one of them, because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul is convinced, and he says to David, he says, Go, and the Lord be with you. I love this part of the story. He says, Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around in them because he was not used to them. He puts on Saul's armor. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I'm not used to them. So he took them off, and he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with a sling in his hand approached the Philistine. Can you say amen with me to God's word? Many of us know the rest of the story. Actually, we're going to be spending two weeks looking at it. And so we'll talk about his actual encounter with Goliath next week. But this story, some might say, and I would dare as far as to say that the picture of the armies fighting against one another is an actual perfect picture of what faith is like every day in your lives right now. I want to say that one more time just in case you missed that. I believe that this picture of the Israelite army going against Goliath and the Philistines was a perfect picture of what we're going through every day in our lives. Faith. Not just once, but every day when it comes to our lives and it comes to growing in our faith. This is what I mean by that. See, you have this picture of an army who represents God. This is God's army. Right? These are the people that were meant to go out and fight for the Lord. And not only that, how many of you know that when you have God on your side, odds look good. Amen? When God is on your side, there is no one like the Lord our God who fights the battles that we go out against. And nothing can stand against them. So when you stand in the name of the Lord, you have a God who fights you. As we see in this story through David. But don't you think it's interesting that it took until David for someone to stand up to defeat Goliath? See, I believe that God did something miraculous through David. But let me ask you a question. Do you think if any one of those other soldiers, had they shared the same faith as David, would have been able to go up and fight against him? I believe so, because the key in this story isn't the person, it's the faith in God that's the key. And that's why this story is so significant, is because it wasn't just something special about David that's not special about you guys. 
The thing is, is that when you have faith like David, you can do special things like he did. Amen? You are all capable of slaying Goliath in our lives. So here's the thing that's funny about the story. What was the real barrier from this army defeating them and being able to move past it, to move into a place of blessing? They were trapped in war. This nation is literally trapped. Think about this for a minute. This nation is the people of God, and they are literally limited by their borders. They can't get around it. And if you're a person of God, you have blessing, you have a life, you have a purpose that's going to be lived up. That's incredible. And yet, here are these people that have every opportunity to move forward in it. And yet, they're like, ah, this Goliath guy is holding me back. Uh, we can't. We can only move as far as this when it comes to our lives, when it comes to everything, just because, uh, sorry, he's kind of stopping us. Let me ask you a question. What was the real thing that stopped the Israelite army? Was it Goliath or was it the fear of Goliath? Because God had every ability to defeat him. So why didn't they? Well, because the army was too afraid. So here you have this army of people who were supposedly the ones who were supposed to go out and take a hold of blessing, but they were too afraid to, which is why David was the one who immediately saw and said, we can do that. We can defeat him. Yeah, we, we can risk that because we have God on our side. See, faith is the same way. And this is where religion and relationship is so different because when you're just religious, when you're just doing things, when you're trying to live up to a set of rules, you'll never defeat Goliath. Amen? You'll never defeat the Goliaths in your life. In fact, can you put up that picture of us? How many of you hate winter weather or struggle with it a little bit? How many of you are like on... Most people are like, no, I love coffee shops. Well, this is perfect. <laughs> What's wrong with you? You walk out. Um, I'm the kind of person that maybe after like three or four weeks of clouds, I like, you know, I can't do it. I need to, I need to see the sun. I need my vitamin D. Did you know that over 60% of people in Oregon have a noticeable deficiency in vitamin D just because they don't see the sun at all? So, um, how many of you know, uh, how much? Here's my thing. Let me share my thing with you. Holidays are great, right? We all love Christmas, amen? But once it gets to January, you're like, oh no. Because you got a couple months straight of no holidays and cold weather and sc school as well. How many of you would like a vacation to a place like that right now? What if someone told you they were like, hey, you know what? You don't have to go to school for three weeks and you can go there. How many of you would be like, okay, I guess, <laughs> you know? Um, so I want you to imagine something. I want you to, I want you to close your eyes right where you're at. I want you to imagine here you are standing in freezing, frigid, cold Oregon, and it's, it's raining, it's drizzling. You have all this homework in front of you. And then open your eyes. All of a sudden there's this bridge in front of you. And there's that paradise. And it's like, go for it. And what if you said, ah, you know, I don't think so. That, that bridge just looks a little unsteady. Uh, 
you know what? I'm just scared I might, I might trip. I'm scared I might get a splinter. All right? Uh, what if there's a shark? Yeah. Hey, you know what? You guys are all right. That's kind of pretty lame excuses, right? I mean, come on. Look at what's on the other side. It is worth that risk, amen? I am willing to risk sharks for that. But now I want to ask you guys a question. Did you know that your faith, think of it in spiritual terms. Sometimes people can say that faith is boring or it's a bunch of rules. And I believe that's what religion is. In a sense, if you're just going to church, you just need to memorize Bible verses. You just got to make sure you don't do something terrible and you're good. But God, in a way, has this life in store for us. He has this amazing blessing for us. And you know what the bridge is that links us from where we're at to where God wants to take us? It's this. It's overcoming fear. Do you know that there are all kinds of fears in your life right now that are keeping you from going all in on the Lord? Did you know that some of you would go all in on the Lord, but you're too afraid of how you look to people around you? Did you know that some of you would go all in on the Lord, but you're afraid that you might lose your friends or the people that you consider them and have the Lord bring in new people in your lives? It's too big of a cost. To be able to consider that. Did you know that some of you want that blessing, but you're afraid of what God might do with your time or what he might ask you to do or ask you to give up? Jack, thank you. Some of you, I get that too. We all have fears in our lives. And as the Lord brings us into places and calls us to new things, oftentimes it calls us to address fears in our life. So my question for you this morning is, what are you afraid of when it comes to faith? What are the Goliaths that are in your life that are keeping you from fully being devoted to the Lord? Because when you allow fear to dictate, when you go, oh, I just don't, I don't want to take it too serious. I don't want, I don't want to be too vulnerable. Oh, I don't want to, I don't want to go for it. I want to still be about, you know what you're doing? You're the army that gets up to the line and then you go, ooh, there's Goliath. we got to turn around. We, we're not even going to engage Goliath. Isn't that interesting? No one even tried to battle against him. And even the king himself looks at David and says, you cannot do this. Giuliano, Andrew, thank you. He says, you cannot do this. Which tells you something about where the people were at if the king himself was saying, you can't win this battle. And a shepherd boy had to tell him, yes, you can, because you have God on your side. He then begins to explain God's faithfulness in his past. And he says, that is all the reason you need to know that God can be faithful in this. So my question for you then also is this, where has God been faithful in your life? How many times have you been intentional about looking at where God has been faithful so that you can trust in him moving forward? You know, I met with a student who went here uh, many years ago. We sat down over coffee. Now, I want, you to, I want you to think about this for a minute. This kid 
God did the miraculous through him. He actually prayed over my hand and it was miraculously healed. He has been given the gift of tongues at camp through the Holy Spirit. And now this is years later. And he's looking me in the eye and telling me, well, God has never done anything to me in my life. I'm like, are you insane? You know, like, you hear, like, God used you to heal me. How can you, that's a lie. Where did you learn that? And you want to know what happened? He didn't dwell on all the things that God did and he didn't cultivate that in his life. So eventually he just kind of went, I don't, I don't think God did that. Maybe God didn't really do that. It's like, yes, God did do that, but you don't remember. You don't remember. I remember, but you don't remember. So my question is, what are the things you don't remember and don't dwell on that you need to start dwelling on when it comes to your faith? Because those are the things that give you the strength to stand up to your fears and say, you know what? If God was faithful with this, Surely he will be faithful with this, and there is no reason to lose heart about what's in front of me. So.